Welcome to the podcast of New City Church. We hope this podcast inspires you on your journey of inward and outward transformation. Please join us on Sundays. You can find more information on our website, grownewcity.church. God bless you. Hello, friends. How's it going? So happy to be here with all of you. Um, I feel like I know that um, it was last Sunday that was Daylight Savings, but I'm like still still dragging from it, so I'm impressed that you all made it here today. Um, like you said, I'm Sarah. I use she, they pronouns, um, and today we are going to get into it. Exodus 5. Oh my gosh. Um, quick recap. If you haven't been here, Exodus, the entire nation of Israel is enslaved by the Egyptians. Um, Moses like leaves for a little bit of time sees God in this burning bush. God is like, you know what? I'm going to free the Israelites. Great. Awesome. Moses, you're the guy to do it. Moses goes back, um, and right before this chapter, Moses and his brother Aaron are meeting with the Israelites' leaders, and they're, like, telling them all about this. Everyone is excited, like, finally, God has heard us. We're going to, like, get out of here. Um, and so, like, they're, like, feeling it. Like, Moses is, like, their favorite guy at this point. Like, he's just, like, everything to them. Um, so, going into chapter 5, one would hope that, like, it's just, like, and God rescued the Israelites and everyone lived happily ever after the end. Um which we know didn't happen. You just heard Tyler read it. Also, like, maybe you've seen, I don't know, The Prince of Egypt, um, which is a cinematic masterpiece. So if you haven't seen it, highly recommend. Like, you can read Exodus. Great. Love it. But, like, you should go watch The Prince of Egypt. So I'm just saying. Um, So, yeah, (laughs) this chapter you just heard, it's infuriating. Like, we hear the frustration of Moses and of all these people, and Moses eventually brings this to God, which, like, feels warranted, right? I mean, if I were in that place, like, I would be doing the same thing. I would just be using a lot stronger language. (laughs) So, like, they were angry, and justifiably so. Like, can we talk about Pharaoh for a second? Like, this guy could teach a master class on being an oppressor. Like, he just, like, knows what he's doing in the worst way. Like, when faced with this request just to let the Israelites go worship, not only does he just immediately shut them down, he gives them more work, tells them they have to do the same amount of bricks that they have been doing, um, but they're not going to have all the materials. They're going to have to, like, go find them, which I feel like doesn't seem like that big of a deal, but, like, the passage said they were, like, going all over the land of Egypt. If you were like, I've got to go all over Minnesota to, like, find the stuff for my work, like, that's a big deal. Um, So, like, he's kind of the worst. Um, And he says... (laughs) make the men's work so hard that it's all they can do and they can't focus on these empty lies. Like, if that's not relatable, like, how often are we just, like, told that we need to do so much, 
We need to like do more things. We need to make more money. We need to be more successful. And like all of these things distracting us from even taking a second to think about if we're actually putting the energy where it's really important. Um, so like how can the Israelites join together and demand change when they're too exhausted to even make it through the day? How can they even think about journeying into the desert to worship someone besides Pharaoh when they used all of their energy scouring the land for straw? How can they focus on liberation when they're so weighed down by work? Pharaoh has come down on them with scheme after scheme after scheme to try to keep them down. And at some point, don't they just want to give up? Don't they just like want to cut their losses and like, I'm going to take whatever comfort I can find in the life that I have rather than risk everything, literally risk my life for what? For something I don't know, for something potentially better. So like, yeah, it makes sense they were angry. Um, the one step they tried to take towards freedom was met with a swift and cruel retaliation putting their lives at risk. So Moses takes all of this anger that's directed at him, all of this anger that he himself is feeling, and he brings it to God. And he says, my Lord, why have you abused this people? Why did you send me for this? Ever since I first came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has abused his people, and you've done absolutely nothing to rescue your people those are fighting words he's got some questions like he's got some concerns and he is accusing God of not following through on God's promise now this chapter of Exodus falls right in between like God saying God's gonna do the thing and like the actual thing happening. Um, it like shows us just how bad things are, like it shows us just how dire the situation is, but like there's all of this tension building and all of this expectation, but there's no release. There's no resolution, there's no solution. We're just like stuck in the middle here. And like, what are they supposed to do with that? What are we supposed to do with that? Like maybe you've been in a situation like this where you're stuck in the middle of something and you're just waiting. Maybe someone made you a promise and you're waiting for them to follow through. Maybe you're like waiting on a job raise or a promotion you were promised. Maybe you're waiting on someone you're in a relationship with to make a commitment. Maybe you're waiting on your roommate to do their like mountain of dishes. Um, I don't know, maybe you're waiting on like a certain politician who promised to cancel student loan debt. Um, and now you're just like waiting on the tiniest bit to see if all the legal battles come through and that actually happens. Um, maybe you're just waiting. I don't know. But waiting sucks. I think we all know that. Like being in that space, that in between, without solutions, without resolutions, really sucks. And when someone doesn't come through on what they promised, it can be infuriating. So what do we do when that person who doesn't come through on what they promised is God? What do we do when we're waiting on God? When we're angry with God for not acting the way that God promised God would? Well, Moses gives an example of one thing we can do, but before I get into that, I want to highlight two things that lead up to that. 
The first is the question, who is God? When Moses goes to Pharaoh, telling him that God commands him to let my people go, Pharaoh responds with, who is the Lord who I'm supposed to obey by letting Israel go? I don't know this Lord, and I certainly won't let Israel go. Who do you know God to be? Who have you experienced God to be? A couple weeks ago, John Carlos talked about how God sees, hears, and knows us. God is intimately aware of what we're facing, is present and loving. When God commissions Moses and Moses asks for God's name, God says, I am who I am, which should also be, I will be who I will be. We don't know the details of like what the Israelites believed about God. It's been generations since Genesis when all of this stuff happened with Abraham. And so we don't know what they passed down generation to generation about God, about their faith. Um, so among other things, I will be who I will be could be an invitation to see and learn who God is through God's work of liberation in their lives. And as readers, we can also know who God is through the work in this story and the ones to come, through the rest of the Old Testament, through the Gospels, where we see the stories of Jesus. Um, we can begin to answer the question, who is God, and what does that mean for what I'm facing right now? What has God done in the past? What has God promised to do? The second thing to remember is... The empire is going to empire. That doesn't mean God is absent. I honestly, like, like I said before, I keep coming back to Pharaoh and just how good he is at what he does. He is doing everything in his power to keep the Israelites completely under con his control. Like, he's so good at manipulation, like when they're like begging him and telling him what you've asked us is impossible. He turns it right back on them and calls them lazy. He straight up gaslights them and like tries to get them to believe that they're the problem, not him. The tactics that the empire uses are so familiar to us. We see them every day. God is working, but so is the empire. So back to what Moses, how Moses responds. Moses straight up goes at God. Why did you make me do this? Where are you? Like, you've made things worse. You've done nothing to rescue the people. Like, Moses is not messing around. Um, and I don't know about you, I'm like a pretty non-confrontational person. Um, and we are in Minnesota, so I'd assume that's true of a lot of you as well. Um, and like, I don't like to tell people I'm angry at them or like that they need to change. I just like to like stuff those feelings down and try to ignore them. Um, so this feels like pretty bold. Like this is aggressive. Moses is calling God out, bringing all of that anger and telling God exactly how he feels. Um, Sometimes my therapist will like have this list of questions that she has me go through when I'm like trying to process something. And one of those questions is, are my expectations of this situation realistic? <laughs> and like, I think of that when I like read this little rant by Moses, because his expectations are absolutely realistic. 
Like, God literally told Moses, I am going to free the people. God literally told him that. That is why Moses is here doing what he's doing. So, like, Moses is taking his very reasonable expectations, what he knows about God, what he knows about the empire of Egypt, and bringing them back to God to ask, what the heck? Like, God, what are you doing? Um, as a side note, God did say in chapter 3 that Pharaoh, like, wouldn't let the Israelites go unless he was forced. However, I still think Moses' anger stands. Um, so he chose to bring his anger right to the source. And how does God respond? God doesn't respond to Moses' anger and questions with more anger. God doesn't berate Moses or ask, how dare you question me? Instead, in chapter 6, God responds this way. Now you will see what I'll do to Pharaoh. In fact, he'll be so eager to let them go that he'll drive him out of his land by force. I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty, but didn't reveal myself to them by name, by my name, the Lord. I also set up my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan where they lived as immigrants. I've also heard the cry of grief of the Israelites, whom the Egyptians have turned into slaves, and remembered my covenant." Therefore, oh, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord. I'll bring you out from Egypt and forced labor. I'll rescue you from your slavery to them. I'll set you free with great power, with momentous events of justice. I'll take you as my people, and I'll be your God. You will know that I, the Lord, am your God, who has freed you from Egyptian forced labor. I'll bring you into the land that I promised to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'll give it to you as your possession. I am the Lord. God simply restates the plan, assuring Moses that God hasn't forgotten her promises, that liberation will come, that she's heard the cries of the Israelites and isn't doing nothing. God empathizes with us, understands what we're going through, and welcomes dialogue. God welcomes our grief, our cries about things in the world that aren't as they should be, God knows that sometimes we need reassurance, that we get discouraged, exhausted, run down, and can't always see what God is doing. Um, I don't know how many of you are into the Enneagram. It's okay if you're not. I am a four, and as a four, I very much experience the world through like emotions and feelings, and sometimes like those feelings can take over a little bit. Um, so I find this like really reassuring that like God cares about what we're feeling. God welcomes our emotions and our dialogue, our questions, and this crying out, this lament has been part of our relationship with God for the entire history of our faith. It's woven into their stories of the Bible. It's practiced by our spiritual ancestors. So I want to invite you into this practice, the practice of lament through today's passage. I imagine all of us have some grievances, something we're angry about, some questions for God, whether that's something happening in your personal life, in your community. Um, if you want to think about that as we go through this, you can, or you can just take it in, totally up to you. So there are three parts to this lament practice, and lament, there are like an infinite away amount of ways to do it. This is not the only way, but I'm just going to use this passage as a guide for us today. So first, 
remember the question, who is God? This is where we're going to start. Who do you know God to be? What, do you, what has God promised you regarding the situation you're facing? What do you know about the character of God? Maybe this is something you've learned from Exodus, from a different part of the Bible, from the stories of Jesus. Maybe this is something you've experienced of God. What about God are you counting on? Is it God's presence, God's justice, God's healing? Take some time to sit with this and share this with God. God, this is who I know you to be. This is what you've revealed about yourself to me. The second step is, how is the empire empiring? What's happening that doesn't align with what you know about God and about how God wants for the world? What are you facing? What's the empire throwing at you? What are you angry about or grieving? Tell God what you're facing, what's happening, what you're feeling. Now, the final step bringing those two together is where's the disconnect? Um, AKA all the feels and all the swear words. What do you want from God? What do you need from God? How are you asking God to show up in this situation? What from these things you know about God aren't lining up with what you're seeing from the empire and what you're facing? What questions do you have for God? This is where you share with God the heart of it, where we express all the feels, the pain, the anger, the grief. Remember how God accused Moses of doing nothing? Maybe that's how you feel. Maybe you feel like God is doing nothing in your life. Maybe like Moses, you've tried to do what you thought God wanted you to do. You tried to do what God called you to, but it only created more pain and more problems. Tell God. Maybe in this process, you need to like, scream at the top of your lungs, say a lot of swear words, like throw some pillows at a wall, sprint down the block, whatever you need to do, express those emotions, those feelings in some way to God. When you're in the midst of it all, stuck between what you hope will be and what is right now, lament is a way to bring that experience, those emotions to God. And let me just close with a quote from Cole Arthur Riley from our book that we read last year, This Here Flesh. True lament is not born from that trite statement that the world is bad, but rather from a deep conviction that it is worthy of goodness. Lament is not anti-hope. It is not even a stepping stone to hope. Lament itself is a form of hope. It is an innate awareness that what is should not be, as if Something is written on our hearts that tells us exactly what we are meant for, and whenever confronted with something contrary to this, we experience a crumbling. And in the rubble, we say, God, you promised. We ask why, and how could we experience such a devastation if we were not on some mysterious plane hoping for something different? Our hope can be only as deep as our lament is, and our lament as deep as our hope. We know this isn't the end of Israel's story. We can hope for them, for their coming liberation, and we can cry with them to God about the situation that they're living in so far. And we can do the same for ourselves and our world today. 
I hope that whatever you find yourself in, whatever emotions or situa- your situation elicits in you, you're able to bring those to God and invite God to be in that experience with you.